and this is Into Istanbul, a podcast where we look at one theme each episode as it relates to the city of Istanbul. This week, we're looking at Istanbul is worth discovering, and we've invited on Tarek Yassin, the gentleman who runs the English website Yabanji.com, which aims to help foreigners and locals explore and understand the city. Yabanji. I'm an expat who's been living here since 2010, um, half Turkish, kind of relocated here to get a sense of my roots and see what the city has to offer. So what were you doing before you started Yabanji or before Yabanji took over? Like most expats from the States, I suppose, I was teaching English and that was going pretty well, but I kind of, it had nothing to do with my field in school and I didn't feel very challenged, so... I kind of wanted to do something a little different as well. And I guess Yabanji is a bit different for people who don't know what that is. Do you want to give like a quick overview about what Yabanji is and sort of, uh, I don't know, what what role do you think it plays in Istanbul, just generally? Sure. It's a hard question to answer because we're always trying to figure out what we're doing as a site, but we are essentially a blog that's an English resource for foreigners living in the city. We kind of target people who are living here for more than three months, I suppose, and, you know, maybe they're trying to build a life here, or maybe they want to spend a year here and kind of explore what's going on in the city, and so we have information on that, we have information on living, we have community events, that sort of thing. Do you see yourself ending up in Istanbul? Uh, to quote Chris, does anybody really see themselves ending up here um, in a long-term kind of sense? Not really, just a few months was my plan, and I ended up spending too much money too quickly, so I thought I'd get a job, and then it kind of snowballed from there, and I'm still here somehow. And then at what point did you find yourself having Yabanji sort of take over? Well, I got involved with Yabanji in 2013. It was actually started by a friend of mine, Tom, and he was kind of, it was, I suppose, a smaller operation at the time, and he was just kind of trying to build a name for it and meet other expats and bring people together. It was very specifically expat focused. And so once I got involved in that, um, it became clear that he wasn't planning on staying in Istanbul. So once he departed, I kind of asked to take it over. Great. Um, we're happy you did. Thanks. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so the, the name Yabanji, it has a certain like co- connotation in Turkey. For our, our listeners who might not know what Yabanji means, can you talk about how the title is sort of a play on, on a Turkish word and, and maybe how that relates to the site? I think it's rather a rather direct correlation, but you can talk, talk about that. Sure. Well, I mean, any expat who's been here is probably very familiar with always hearing the word Yabanji being spoken around them, even if they don't understand any of the Turkish that's being used in connection with it. It means foreigner or stranger in Turkish, and we kind of 
um, redid the name so that it sounds like it would for an English speaker. But yeah, I mean, I suppose the hair on the back of my neck bristles constantly when I hear people saying Yabanja, even if I know they're not talking about me. It's a completely com- different conversation <laughs> happening somewhere else. I realize, like, okay, they're talking about foreigners. Is it me? Is it my friends? Like, what's going on there? What sort of impact do you think the name Yvonji then has had on the brand? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've never been a huge fan of the name until kind of recently, actually. I mean, I went with the name because it was kind of recognized by the time um, we started pushing forward with social events and community gatherings. But um, I think, yeah, lots of people come. I hear people mispronounce the name as like Yabangi <laughs> constantly, especially if they just got here. So I think it does take some time, and I think people appreciate it once it finally clicks. Like, oh, wait, that's what the name actually means. It's a play on a Turkish word. For can you can you talk about the fact that uh, Yabangi means stranger, but ultimately your site is setting out to, to make sure that people come here as a foreigner but feel at home? Yeah, I think that's very true. I th- like originally, um, when Tom started the site, the full name of the site was um, Yabanji Istanbul for Expats by Expats. And we've kind of done away with the concept of it being just for expats. We are trying to build a bridge, I suppose, between foreigners and the community here. You talk about building that bridge? So what is the service that you think Yabanji is providing people in Istanbul, especially, obviously, expats primarily, but everyone. So I think at this point, um, we're really flourishing as a site, even though there are less expats in the city at the moment because of the political situation and the economic situation. um, The people who are on the team and generating content have been here for long enough to really have a sense of how the the city operates and what, what is there to do, what is there to see, giving perspective through the eyes of foreigners. But also we have Turkish people on the team, locals who, you know, are bilingual and are generating content as well that really fits into into this bridge building, I suppose. All right. I guess it's also ironic that we're talking about bridge building when in the city of three bridges now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, one tunnel. and one tunnel. <laughs> not, let's not forget the tunnel, of course. That's phase two of Yabanji is to start tunneling. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just been that all along. You're gathering people to build the tunnel. Obvious now is the subversive Breitbart spin that's <laughs> soon to be coming. Uh, I, I, I was, <laughs> was going to talk about um, the fact that, uh, firstly, both Dave and I have, have interacted with, with Yabanji before we have written uh, for, for Yabanji and been to different events and stuff. And I wanted to speak to the notion that um, for when I lived in Seoul previously, I worked for a magazine called 10 Magazine, and I think it was it was a great opportunity, but it was a little bit more sterile, and it seems like Yabanji has flourished, as you mentioned, into this community, which which is really open arms, and I feel like um, it's posited itself in a way that's, that's pretty unique. Do you think that that influence is sort of something you created, or do you think the city itself has something to do with that? I think the city itself is definitely responsible for any success that we have as a as a community people sort of arrive here and they're looking for you know a bit of inspiration but also the opportunity to express themselves and the city very much has so so many different things that people kind of want to get involved in and see and learn about and then they want a way to translate that into 
either written form or through photography or through art or I mean you see it in all the art galleries around the city for example um, it just lends itself to expression so I think people come to Yabanji just because we are pretty open I try to take a back seat in everything so that the site is very much just a reflection of what the writers want to write about what the photographers want to photograph there's no sort of agenda where we're saying this has to be said or this has to be expressed or this has to be focused on it's just the relationship between people and the city and how they want to show that. So I think what you're talking about, and to use the theme of this week's episode, what do you think makes Istanbul worth discovering? How does Yabanji sort of unlock that for all the people who read it? So there's the obvious, the city being very beautiful and geographically very unique, and so people come here and there's always that um, cliche saying, you know, this is where East meets West, and people kind of come here probably originally for that. And I think once you begin to spend a bit of time here, you realize that Istanbul within itself is extremely different. Um, there are all walks of life here. There's a huge expat community, but there's also a super, super diverse community of locals. And so you kind of spend some time here and you explore all these different, I suppose, cultures within the city, and then that translates into, into I suppose, answering your question. Uh, I, I was thinking it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. When you look at the content that's really popular on Yabanji, it's really not that sort of prototypical, like, come on down to the Hagia Sophia sort of stuff. It's really those, uh, that niche content um, that speaks to the realities of of life here, something small um, about you know apps to get around traffic or, or whatever it might be, but but the content that's really highlighted there um, is sort of people in the know for people in the know. Uh, can you can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. I think that's kind of why as we've moved forward, we've we've started generating content that's just more useful and more well received by our readership. So you do kind of come here, and the city isn't very English friendly. So if you don't speak Turkish, then you're kind of, um, you know... At a loss a little? Yeah, a little bit shit out of luck. So, yeah, I think um, it very much is just a product of, like, people coming here being like, I've learned something that's very helpful to other people. I want to share that kind of information. And is that, an, is that like, sort of this, this emphasis of the Ubanji to be a, a real sort of mirror into life here or a real reflection? I think so. Um, I think, I mean, we were talking briefly before about how kind of like there is a tendency for people to come here to explore and then they get into the routine of their lives, whether it's they pick up a job or they've married a Turk and now they have a family or whatever it may be, and then that exploration kind of halts. And so I, th I think it is a lot of that, and it's also sort of just, I mean, even Turks read the site, um, I'd say 40% of our readership is Turkish because they they are also in the routine of their lives, and then they see a site that's looking at it through a different perspective, through the eyes of people who are, you know, very much outside the, the norm. And so, yeah, there's just this desire to see Istanbul both as a, you know, I need to learn more about it because I'm living here, but also, what are these people doing? They're, you know, all from different backgrounds, they're all from different walks of life. To get kind of more details out of that, I see when I go to Yabanji, the more sort of conventional posts, like you, like you bring up the, oh, go see Hagia Sophia, 
to do stuff like go to Cappadocia or go to Uluda, they don't seem to do as well as maybe the language, like what language do you need to know to get around in a taxi in Istanbul? Can you kind of talk about more uh, about those types of posts that Yabanji does and what sort of the appeal is with that? Sure. So, I mean, our most popular content in the long term is very much anything bureaucratic, like how to get a residence permit, um, how do I deal with, you know, registering my cell phone or talking to an MOC to, you know, find a place to live. But yeah, also that kind of content that's very directly like, um, I mean, our most popular piece on the site, for example, is 23 useful phrases I wish I knew when I moved to Turkey. So it's these kind of phrases where I think people arrive here, there's lots of enthusiasm and excitement about the new city, but then they kind of hit a wall in terms of integration. And so we do try to provide a lot of content that, you know, offers them survival stuff, but also just, I want to go to a restaurant maybe, and I don't want it to be filled with tourists. So that sort of thing as well. Uh, I also, I know a lot of people are using Yabanji. I, I actually, sort of a funny story, <coughs> two of my colleagues um, showed up at, at work one day and I, and I was talking about how well, Yabanji and things like that. And they're like, oh yeah, we know Yabanji. Like the first day they got there, they're like, oh, are you, are you Christopher Mitchell from, from Yabanji? Like I like had written an article they'd seen. It was sort of this strange moment. But what it, it reminded me of is that um, there's, I mean, the, the, these this sort of information actually really aids people in their life here. I mean, it's not like uh, sometimes I feel like in my in my blog I'm sort of writing for the for the sake of it in in some ways, but I'm not I'm not necessarily offering information that could actually be sort of life changing. Although I hope to, but um, <laughs> so that's a little plug for me. But uh, but but have you ever heard back from somebody being like, "Thank you so much." I mean, is that something that's common? I'd love to know the feedback you hear from the from so the, re the reverberation from these articles? Honestly, the feedback has always been super positive. I think people come here and even if they, they just don't know anyone yet, maybe maybe they just moved here, so they find the content useful, but also they have an opportunity to connect with kind of others who are in the in the same boat. So people will come, maybe they read the articles, maybe they find it useful, and they'll say, thank you so much, it's useful. But also maybe they'll come, they'll find it useful, and they'll say, oh, I'd love to join your team and meet other people in the city who have a similar mindset to me, and that sort of thing. Can I ask then, are you Istanbul expat famous? Can you confirm this? I can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny. That uh, sounds like something a famous person would say. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm very pleasantly surprised to, to you know, regularly see. I was once at Salt Galata, and I saw a man probably in his 60s or 70s on Yabanji reading an article, and I was like, oh, we're famous, we've made it. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to see that it, it actually helps people. And on a, on a, like, uh, taking that to a serious level, I mean, you put in a lot of work behind the scenes that maybe people don't see the contributing meetings. Um, can you speak to sort of what kind of effort you're putting into to make sure that Yabanji is what y you're hoping it, it can be or will be? So... Dave teased me earlier for being unemployed, and I think a, a large part of that is simply because in, eff in an effort to grow the site, it, it's good to, to be able to have more time to spend on it. And the thing is, we are a volunteer-driven community. Um, if, you're, if you've been to the site, you'll notice there aren't really adverts or anything like that. And so we want to very much keep the, the site clean and, and very much like organic. And so 
yeah, there is a lot of behind the scenes effort and it's hard to, you know, have volunteers commit a ton of time to that. So kind of, yeah, I mean, looking forward, it's not super clear where we're going to go or if even this level of effort is sustainable on my part, but we'll see. I also wanted to just quickly sort of jump in and say, as someone who blogs and knows, I'd like to think a thing or two about SEO and analytics and sort of AdSense and all that kind of stuff. I mean, with the traffic you guys generate, um, there would be plenty of opportunity to monetize if that's what you wanted to do. So so it's, I should point out for listeners, I mean, um, this, is, this is a very conscious choice. Um, why was that so important to the culture of Yulanji? I don't think Yubanji would function with without that being the culture of the site. I mean, the front the front end of the website that when you go to the website, it's very clear that there's a lot of variety. There's articles on you know having a baby and living in the city, or being a student and living in the city, or you know arts and culture, or people who are looking for parties and that sort of thing. And I think if we were a monetized business, um, we'd only be able to hire a small staff and that staff would be responsible for content that maybe has nothing to do with their lives. And so the quality of the content would definitely take a hit, as well as just the variety. I mean, it's just so broad now, and I think that's a result of having something like 70 writers on the team or something. At the moment. I know some of the contributors in the team. Uh, do you think there's sort of like, when you think, is there a prototypical contributor, or is it sort of the idea is that there's not? I think the, I mean... To be fair, I'd say we're maybe at least half made up of, you know, postgrads who came here and ended up teaching English and are now, you know, have somehow set up roots in this city. But, I mean, that's barely half. I'd say the team is very, like, we have students and we have people who have started families here. We have people from here. We're, we vary by age pretty, pretty broadly. So there is a great degree of diversity. Uh, we, we, I just wanted to sort of something you said triggered something when you talk about um, people who somehow end up here and that and you were sort of joking about that because uh, when we asked you how did you end up here you said you know you're like I don't know does anybody know and that's sort of something I was joking about before we start you know hit record uh, what is it about Istanbul that it seems like I, I'm not sure I've ever met an expat who was like you know five years into living in Istanbul who was like oh I know why I'm here and what I'm doing everyone's sort of like well you know it became home, and we talked about this in the first episode about this magnetic pull, but uh, the tendency to somehow end up here. What is it about Istanbul? About the, you know, How do people somehow end up here? I think the most common story I hear, because we always try to meet contributors face-to-face when you know they join the team and find out a bit about them and how they came here, and People always come here and you know, they've visited, and whether that be when they were five years old or when they were doing an exchange program in college, they always leave and have this like imprinted memory of Istanbul as being this you know, beautiful, romantic place that's you know, different from any other place they've been or any culture they've really experienced, but also it does have the comforts and familiarities that you know, they might want in a place they were going to live. And so I think... You know, people leave and then Istanbul is just like, hey, you need to come back here because you haven't seen everything, you haven't done everything, and, you know, you know full well that there's still so much to experience in this city. You're someone who stayed and see yourself staying here for a prolonged period of time, if I'm correct. But obviously, you have a lot of friends, and we've had a lot of friends who come and go. They're here for a year or two. They love it. 
you talk about that romantic feeling. How true do you think that is? And how do you think it sort of ebbs and flows throughout your experience here? I think, yeah, so the romantic, uh, the romanticism of Istanbul is very much real. But I think people do arrive here. Um, they do start to build a life. And then, you know, the reality of either being far from their families at home or from, you know, the economic possibility of their future begins to set in. And so I think for most people, Istanbul is going to be like this honeymoon in their life where they had the opportunity to leave their home or wherever they were living, spend some time in a, in a very unique and different place, and then, yeah, they end up having to go back to what I assume they believe to be, you know, reality. And so the ebbs and flows are very common. People do, I mean, the team, it's, uh, the Yabanji team has, I'd say we've had at least 100 contributors come and go um, in the past few years. But very recently, it's been, obviously for anyone who's living here, very much uh, everyone's leaving and there are very few people trickling in, or at least that's what it feels like. So hopefully this is just a temporary wave we're riding. Yeah, I hope so as well, because... Um you know, something I think about is it's so hard to get past the headlines when you think about Istanbul. And Yabanji would be the prototypical site that's getting past the headlines. Um, but if you're not here, you might not know about it. Uh, I mean, do you, do you feel that like that's something that's conscious? or Because either way, it's happening. I feel like that. But do you feel like that's something that's conscious, that you're trying to sort of create a counter-narrative? I Very much so. I think, I mean, last year our most popular piece on the site was 166 reasons not to live I leave Istanbul. And you guys actually contributed to that piece when we were crowdsourcing it. But it was very, we had a, a couple of meetings, I think, where we talked about this, like trying to raise the spirits of people living in the city and trying to like because, I mean, if you do look past the headlines you and or even think about it, you know, from a statistical sense, um, a lot of these fears and concerns people have are, to some degree, pretty unfounded. So, yes, we are trying to move past that. And I think, yeah, our, our team and our readership is very responsive to that. I think it's funny you bring up, uh, you compare it to Honeymoon. And I think most people who live in Istanbul would not compare, because Istanbul is a very real city, I would say. It's not an escape that a lot of people would think it is. And I think when you go to Fati, you go to Sultanahmen, you're like, oh, this is this beautiful, this romantic, you know, ancient, or not ancient, but Muslim and Byzantine architecture. But most people don't generally live there, you know. And you live in other parts of the city, which are very urban. And like you said, they're very much like what you get back home, but just in another place. So, to kind of get different perspectives, what would you say are some places that are worth discovering for people that are coming to Istanbul? Okay, great question. And actually, I just want to go to the beginning of that question and even highlight. So, I would assume that most of the listeners to this podcast, for example, are in a similar, you know, situation as us. And even when we use the word expat in relation to Yabanji, I always, you know... I'm very conscious of the fact that that's a very loaded word and it's, it represents a group of people who do have a certain degree of privilege. Um, the site is, I mean, most of the people on the team have that same certain degree of privilege. So when I say honeymoon and when I speak, you know, so positively, I don't mean to, you know, 
not acknowledge that, of course, it's not this way for everybody, and there are a lot of struggles inherent to the city, as well as a lot of struggles inherent to people who have had to relocate to Istanbul that we see on a day-to-day basis when we're outside that are also, they probably, you know, would never consider it this honeymoon phase. So just want to speak to that. But yeah, definitely there's an amazing amount of places to, to explore that, you know, aren't Jihangir, that aren't Taksim, that aren't Beshiktash. If I had to choose a favorite, hmm, that's a good question, and you would think I would have thought about this question before I came <laughs> into the interview. I, the reason I don't, like, I, I can accept the pause is because it's always changing. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, my first year, you know, you, you get sort of swept in by Beolu and, and Taxi, you're like, oh, this is great, and then sort of after a few months, you're like, Taxi, like, I'm going to Besiktas, I mean, <laughs> that's where it's really, and then... After the hundredth time, some guys try to drag you into their bar. Yeah, and then you're like, and then you're like, okay, you know what? Forget it. I'm going breakfast street breakfast, you know, in, in the morning, and then I'll walk down to Arnavut Koi, you know, grab a beer and order Koi, you know, and then you sort of, it's always changing. Like I think right now, I'm really feeling Arnavut Koi. I think it's like up and coming. There's some there's some good stuff going on. But uh, if you ask me again in two months, I might be there might be a resurgence in whether real or imagined by me, I, that I'm feeling, you know, and so th- that's why that pause, but is I think totally legitimate, but could you speak to, now that I've given you a proverbial pause, can <laughs> you, you speak to uh, an area that you think at the moment is, is really uh, spot on for you? Sure. I, I'll touch off of what you said about kind of like Taksim and Beolo being, you know, the starting point for all expats. It's, I was living on the Asian side and it's actually what brought me to, to move to this side, or we're on the European side now, by the way, for listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was very much that this seems like where all the, you know, foreigners are hanging out, and where all the nightlife is, and where all the, you know, fun stuff essentially is happening, and then, now that I've lived here for a couple of years, I, I kind of most fondly think of my experiences in Istanbul as having been, you know, in Karakoy, or in Gostepe, or in Bostanje, or Jade Bostan, so... Moda, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Moda is great as well. I think, um... People kind of expect expats to live on the European side or spend at least most of their working hours and nightlife hours in or on the European side, but very much for any people who feel that, you know, the Asian side gets the short end of the stick too often, I think that side's actually the... The crown jewel, maybe? Yeah. Where, where specifically? You brought up, like, Moda, Giuseppe, Jade Bostan. Where would, you, where would you go out at night, for instance? Or can you kind of tell our listeners who, I know some people who listen who do not live in Istanbul, they may not be as familiar, so can you kind of explain like the differences? I think Taksim and even, yeah, Beola and Besiktas to, to a large extent, kind of people go there and they're having drinks and then the ultimate goal is, you know, and this is very much a reflection of my lifestyle in the city, <laughs> I'm aware of that. Um, and then, like, the ultimate goal is, like, there's going to be some big social function or big party, whereas I feel the vibes and energy in Karakoy and Moda, for example, are much more relaxed, and people, it's maybe what you would more, it, it would be more relevant to your, like, lifestyle at home, where, you know, you're just going to meet some friends, and you're looking for a quiet place to chat that also has, like, good music and and a positive feel to it. Uh, Arkeodo, for example, in Karakoy. I think most people know mm-hmm. it if they've spent a while here. It's, you know, a real good example of kind of that balance that you would find on that side that you wouldn't find in Europe, for example. 
that the, probably the beauty of Istanbul is that all the areas you mentioned, I mean, um, if you live in Istanbul and you're listening, all of those different areas would have set off a certain trigger for you. You know, like different places. Like Katakoy, I have that, the exact feeling where I'm, anybody I know who lives in Katakoy is like, I'm not moving anywhere else. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, you can't get me out of this area. Um, and I go and visit them and, you know, I have to get, I have to take, take the dolmush, so like this, you know, shared, shared bus back and I'm like, oh, it's such a long ride though. But, but for those people, they're not, they're not leaving Katakoy, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, they're like, you feel free, you guys have your European side, you know what I mean? Yeah, they won't even get on the ferry, it takes yeah, 25 yeah, yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, anyways, I guess it's just like that idea that, uh, and I think we mentioned this in, in the first episode too, is like Istanbul is like, it's like 10 cities in one. I mean, you go take a photo in Bebek and then go take a photo uh, at a rooftop in Besiktas and, and try and pretend those are the same cities, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. Do you think you guys do a good job at Yabanji of, of showing the different areas? I think so. I think, um, as I was saying, the Asian side gets a bit neglected. A lot of our team is based um, in Beula, for example. But yeah, I think, you know, once people kind of, as they do, having lived here for a couple of years, and a lot of our team now are more of the longer-term expats, they kind of, you know, increase the, the radius of where they're going to go explore, and so we're slowly, we have, Take 5 is kind of like a, a column on, you know, neighborhood guides and what you could do on just a single visit to that neighborhood. And yeah, we're slowly bringing in, I mean, we just did one on Uskudar, for example, that a lot of our readership, I think, was very receptive to because, you know, how often do you go to Uskudar? And if you do go to Uskudar, how often do you do things that aren't, you know, in your typical travel guidebook, for example? Yeah, I think right now there's also a very big migration. I, myself, just moved from Europe to the Asian side. The sort of areas that you primarily cover are now changing. And so I think it's most likely going to be a good thing. We're kind of dealing with it as it goes. But yeah, it is good that, you know, it's nice to see the city changing. In a lot of ways, I think people have, I think somebody mentioned ebbs and flows earlier. The city very much has this feeling of, you know, right now the city's bumping and it's, it's, there's such a positive energy and there are all these galleries opening and, you know, festivals and all these cultural experiences that you could have. And then there'll be months where the mood is very somber and quiet and it's just, it has its ups and downs. And so I think as well as that, our content is is now dealing with that in a, as you say, like geographical kind of, kind of way as we have to now, you know, check out these new neighborhoods. I haven't investigated in, in, in other cities, but I, I know that the whole Yubanji thing and helping expats and I should definitely clarify the Turkish population as well, just to see Istanbul um, as a place that's worth worth uh, tackling and, and, and every day sort of trying something else out, which is something you can actually do. Do you think this could ever be replicated in another city? So I think the biggest benefit that Yabanji has had is that this city lends itself to not being so helpful for non-Turkish speakers. And so there was very much demand. I mean, when I moved here in late 2010, I was kind of like, oh my God, how do I get a residence permit? Oh my God, Lonely Planet was basically, you know, and Couchsurfing's (laughs) message boards were the only (laughs) real outlets I had to figure out what was going on. So, yeah, I don't know if that would be the case in any other, at least Western European country, 
quite possibly. Um, maybe like someone I was talking to someone recently who wanted to replicate something similar in, in Tokyo. And so I think maybe it could, but I'm not sure if if it would even be as easily integrated anywhere. So I'm going to, just because I love literature and being annoying, I'm going to spin that into a little analogy there. So let's let's say that uh, all this information, all the people you're working with, uh, you know, you've, you've got this beautiful ship which is kind of sailing along and you're, you know, you're adjusting the sails and this, that, and the other. And... Um, and you've got your crew, you know, which is ever changing, but pretty quality. And you know, they're they're constantly contributing, making the ships going right. And you, sir, are the captain, um, you know, which is fitting because you're wearing a captain's outfit for some reason. Yeah. People can't see that. But um, so, as the captain, do you, uh, if you'll accept my my prolonged analogy, where do you hope to uh, take the the ship? You must answer an analogy for me. Well, <laughs> I just want the record to show that I do all the editing in this captain's outfit as well. <laughs> it gives me a real sense of purpose. But that's kind of the big question uh, we've arrived to at this point, is where we are going to take this ship. My interest has always kind of been in community events, but I don't think the community events are possible without, you know, the, the website itself, the blog, you know, bringing people together and sharing information and that sort of thing. And also, to re- recycle the unemployment <laughs> remark from Dave, I also, you know, would like to one day have, you know, a, a pretty quality... A job. Yeah, a job. <laughs> so it's kind of like trying to figure out how all these things can work and how can the volunteer aspect of the site work. You brought up community events. You've talked about diversity. What is the diversity of Yubanji? You do stuff other than just manage the blog. Right. So we we do social events, which are pretty like they're pretty straightforward. People come, they meet each other, they network, they have some drinks or um, eat something and chat, and then maybe you know they feel like oh I met some other people who are in a similar field as me or whatever. But we are now branching out from that. Um, we recently started working together with Atolia, uh, which is based in Beaumontiada. Yeah, we're based out of there now, and they have an event space that's you know of a professional quality that we've never had access to before i just you know to to sort of wrap things up um we had spoken before with this tendency of expats to get here and then it becomes home and in that they stop being sort of jazzed up to continue to explore the city and yabanji i think in a lot of ways is that is that springboard to continue to explore um can you sort of wrap things up for yourself about how how people can use Yabanji to continue to explore and appreciate the city and maybe anything you'd want to say to people who are interested in exploring the city and, and making sure they do a, a due diligence to Istanbul. That's a, a great question. So I think there are lots of ways they can keep or they can use Yabanji to keep pushing themselves. First off they can always check the site for ideas or inspiration on what to do. I think it's it's very true that people kind of stall out once they they reach a certain point in their Istanbul career, I suppose. And I think one of the benefits of joining the team, perhaps, and getting involved more in our community of internationals and locals is that you do kind of have this opportunity to share your experiences and also create new experiences that you want to document in some way. And so it's, it's a really great opportunity. If you're at all interested out there, you can get in touch and find more details. But it's a great opportunity to kind of 
as you're actively writing about these things, realize that you are now also seeing the city through new eyes. You are now also trying out things that you might not usually try out. Yeah, it's funny, Dave. Uh, this podcast wouldn't exist without you, Bungie, would it? No, that's how we met. That's how it got started. And, you know, that was great. And also, this episode was really important to me because I remember leaving after I'd lived in Chicago for about 17 years. And that week I left, I realized there's so much that I hadn't seen that I really wanted to see. And when I came to Istanbul, I definitely didn't want to make that same mistake. Yeah, same. I think anybody can relate to that. Um, you don't want to leave a place thinking you left all these stones unturned. And I guess that's what Yabanji is. It's, it's, a, it's a mechanism to make sure you don't leave any stones unturned. And then, you know, if you so choose, you can actually be a part of the process of, of helping other people turn over those stones and get, get more involved. If you'd like to check out more of my stuff, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at A Man Without a Continent, and you can read more of my work at www.amanwithoutacontinent.com. If you're going to plug, I'm going to plug as well. Uh, you can uh, check out more of my stuff uh, on my website, uh, travelingmitch1l.com, and every conceivable social media site imaginable, travelingmitch1l. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Have a lovely day. Thank you.